maybe this Biden guy, maybe he's an idiot. Hello and welcome to episode number 139 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts.com online. I'm your host, Darren O'Neill, and on today's show, we got a few things to talk about, including an event that happened a hundred years ago that talks about racism, white supremacy, Black Lives Matter, all of this stuff on the docket for today, as well as a story of Billy Gibbons from the band ZZ Top and just what he says he owes to the guys over at Ministry and the band The Revolting Cox. But before we get to that, we do have to have a little bit of a history lesson because this is an event that I was unaware of. Joe Biden spoke in Tulsa yesterday at the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre. And I think we can learn a lot from this event, how it is being covered, how it was covered, what Joe Biden said, and the reality of America today as compared to America of 100 years ago. Now, the Tulsa race massacre happened because of an encounter in an elevator. This from Wikipedia on May 30th, 1921, 19 year old Dick Rowland, a black shoe shiner employed at a Main Street shine parlor, entered the only elevator of the nearby Drexel building at 319 South Main Street to use the top floor colored restroom, which his employer had arranged for use by his black employees. There, he encountered Sarah Page, the 17-year-old white elevator operator on duty. Whether and to what extent Dick Rowland and Sarah Page knew each other has long been a matter of speculation. The two likely knew each other, at least by sight, as Rowland would have regularly rode in Page's elevator on his way to and from the restroom. Others have speculated the pair might have been interracial lovers, a dangerous and deadly taboo. Then what happened in the elevator is anyone's best guess. So a hundred years later, the story still not one that has a lot of concrete information from the best information available. It appears that Dick Rowland, when getting into the elevator may have tripped and grabbed onto the arm of Sarah Page, which caused her to scream. As the scream was heard by other people in the building, the young Dick Rowland got the hell out of Dodge because it was a dangerous time to be a black guy in an elevator with the white girl who had just screamed. The result of this, unfortunately, was like setting off a powder keg because the police did a brief investigation. They arrested Dick Rowland, and what ended up happening is a bunch of people started surrounding the courthouse 
the police tried to get them to disperse. They did not. This was a crowd of white people. Then there was talk of a lynching, which caused some armed black people to come into the situation. They were sent away. There were shots going on into the sky on and off throughout the night until finally there was an altercation that left 10 white people and two black people dead outside the courthouse. And then this spilled into white mobs going into the black neighborhood and basically rioting, looting, burning the place down. And this was not just simply mob violence, the reports of planes overhead dropping things that were on fire down onto the buildings, which caused just a massive amount of damage to the neighborhood. Also from Wikipedia, it says the commercial section of Greenwood was destroyed. Losses include 191 businesses, a junior high school, several churches, and the only hospital in the district. The Red Cross reported that 1,256 houses were burned and another 215 were looted, but not burned. The Tulsa Real Estate Exchange estimated property losses that amounted to $1.5 million and $750,000 in personal property. That would be the equivalent to a total of $33 million in 2020. So this was not a small thing. And it's not something, as I said, that I was familiar with. Don't remember this one in the history books. And they go back and you find that the papers in Tulsa, none of the originals exist from this event, the coverage. There are things missing, pages missing from the microfilm. And there is no question that there was a huge cover up about this event that has occurred over the last hundred years. Tulsa did have a commission uh, 25 years ago when it was coming up on the 75th anniversary, and a lot more information came out and some restitution was paid and all of that kind of a thing. And this is an event that I believe was worthy of Joe Biden leaving the White House, something he doesn't do a lot. But it's something that Joe Biden had an opportunity here to do something positive, but instead he decided not to do that. Because Joe Biden, in the comments that he made at this event, wanted to push the narrative in a way that the far left socialist slash Marxist contingent wanted him to do so. And why Joe is going along with this, I don't really know. But in his comments at the Tulsa Race Massacre event, this is what Joe Biden said. Quote, what happened in Greenwood was an act of hate and domestic terrorism with a through line that exists today. So Joe doesn't think anything's changed in the last hundred years in the United States of America when it comes to race relations. I mean, it was a lot better until Obama got into office. You know, those Marxist types who started pushing problems again between the different communities. It doesn't matter which communities, white and black, rich and poor, 
gay and straight, police and non-police. The Marxist and socialists love to create division because that is how they accomplish their goals. But Joe wants you to believe that what happened 100 years ago can still happen today because he continues saying, quote, just close your eyes and remember what you saw in Charlottesville four years ago on television. Well, what we saw there, Joe, I believe, was one moron who was then arrested in charge. I don't know if that is the same thing as burning down a whole community and causing a million and a half dollars of damage a hundred years ago, $33 million in today's economy. Well, in today's economy, it might be way over that. But Joe Biden's takeaway from this was another thing that he said, which is, quote, according to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda, white supremacists. That's what Joe Biden thinks is the problem in America today, white supremacists. And I, again, don't know what they're putting into Joe Biden's pudding. I think maybe they should put a little extra B12. Maybe Joe should just be uh, sent off to pasture. And at least if uh, Kamala Harris was president, the stuff that she said, nobody would have to question like, hey, does she know what country she's even in right now? Because I'm not sure Joe does. I don't think he understands the gravity of what he's saying. This is the guy that was always tough on crime. Now, who's down with defunding the police and getting rid of prisons? But what Joe Biden said is that white supremacy and right wing extremism is the thing that is the biggest threat to this country. And of course, that would mean that there must be the biggest threat to the African American community as well, because you're there, Joe, in Tulsa, talking about a horrible event where people were indeed targeted based upon their race with violence and death, looting, and what all happened in Tulsa. But the reality is right-wing extremism in the United States, I found the stats from an article at the independent.co.uk, who is taking the stats from the Anti-Defamation League, which show over the past decade, right-wing extremists, I mean, we'll just call all of them white supremacists. Not all of them were, but let's just pretend for a minute that all right-wing extremists are white supremacists for the sake of simplicity. That would mean over the last 10 years, 330 people in the United States were murdered slash killed, whatever you want to call it. I know words are very important today. 330 people killed over the last 10 years by right-wing extremists. I mean, well, that's a lot, you'll say to yourself. 330 people in the last decade. Joe Biden's telling you that white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland. And he's telling this to a bunch of African-American people at this event in Tulsa, that white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the country. 
And then we go look at the stats and we go, wow, 330 people were killed in all of the United States over the past decade by white supremacists slash right wing extremists. 330 over a decade in all of the United States. Well, here's a stat that Joe and the people on the left don't want to talk about, which is over the past five and a half years, so about half the same period of time, you know, half the time, not 10 years, over the last five and a half years, and not in the whole of the United States, just here in the city of Chicago. So in the last 10 years, 330 people killed by the evil white supremacists and right-wing extremists. Here in Chicago in the last five and a half years, 3,000 African Americans killed, murdered, gunned down in the street. Joe, do you not think that number might be a little bit higher? I mean, it's exponentially higher, and it's happening in just one city. We can go get similar stats from New York, from Baltimore, from St. Louis. Joe, come on. Come on, man. If I can really use a Bidenism. Again, I don't think Joe knows where he is or what he's doing. But if you're going to go out there and tell a black audience that they should be worried about right wing extremism and white supremacists, and don't get me wrong, white supremacists are a bunch of jerks. I'd use a stronger word, but we're trying to keep this safe for work for you. The reality is. There's a much bigger danger to the African-American community from within the African-American community. The last five and a half years here in Chicago, 3,000 people dead, 3,000 black people dead. And where's BLM? Where's Jesse Jackson? Where's Reverend Al over the Memorial Day weekend here in Chicago? 32 shot, at least four dead. Where are you guys at? Why doesn't anybody care about stopping this violence? I don't understand it. And clueless Joe is going to stand there and tell you that white supremacy is the problem. White supremacy is a very small fraction of the deaths. When it comes to the black community, well, under 1%, it would seem. But that's what we want to be worried about, right, Joe? Because it's inconvenient to point to the violence and the murders happening within the communities themselves, which far outweigh anything else. Where's Black Lives Matter? Well, Black Lives don't really matter. The organization is starting to crumble. So this is a positive thing. There was a gentleman that was a part of Black Lives Matter who recently released a tell-all video that talked about his realization that finding out Black Lives Matter doesn't really care about Black Lives. They're about enriching themselves and Patrice Colors. You we'll talk about her in a second. They're about just destroying the American family. They don't want to have a mother and a father and a stable family unit. No, see, Marxists and socialists, they never want a stable family unit. They don't want people to be educated either, because if you're educated, you might actually rise out of poverty and you may make something of yourself 
which in America, everybody has an equal opportunity to be able to make something of themselves. Now, is it harder for some? Sure. But things are harder for people for a variety of reasons. And if you want to go back 100 years and tell me you don't think anything's changed as of today, when's the last time you heard of a bunch of uh, people surrounding a courthouse trying to uh, lynch somebody? Oh, wait, maybe that did just kind of happen with the crowds outside of uh, the Derek Chauvin trial when the George Floyd thing happened. There was definitely some intimidation going on there. And again, this is all because of a divide and conquer strategy that people keep falling for, that people that aren't like you are your enemy. And it simply is not true. And if you buy into that, this is where a lot of the issues are coming from. But there's simple reasons why Black Lives Matter doesn't care about the 3000 people killed in Chicago over the last five and a half years is it doesn't fit their narrative. There's no money to be made. They can't sue anybody because, uh, you know, there's nobody to sue, so they don't care. Lives don't matter to these people. Patrice Cullors, who is uh, stepping down from BLM, you know, she works at a small college and uh, somehow has amassed millions of dollars now in real estate. I mean, I'm not saying she's misappropriating all those millions of dollars that corporations gave Black Lives Matter. And maybe she's not, but there is certainly uh, something that should be looked into. And if you're going to give money to Black Lives Matter, the organization, wouldn't you want to know where that money's going? Because I've read a few stories from people that are the head of Black Lives Matter in some of these smaller cities who say, never got a dime, never got anything from the mothership. But the women that run it, well, they seem to be living the good life. And the woman, Patrice Cullors, who's a self-proclaimed Marxist. I mean, I love Marxists and socialists who then amass millions of dollars worth of real estate. I mean, you must not be a very good Marxist. I mean, is this like just forgetting about that little part of Marxism where there is no private property? Is that just you forget that once you get a few million bucks? Maybe. I don't know. But the reality is now a video has come out or a record. I didn't see something came out. Video, audio record from uh, a 2015 Harvard Law Panel where Patrice Cullors called for the end of Israel. So, I mean, of course, somebody in charge of an organization that claims to be anti-racism. Ah, totally hates on another race. Isn't that great? You know, somebody that's all out there like, how dare people hate blacks? And then she's like, screw Israel. No more Israel. Yeah. You got to vet these people before you start following anybody. And following anyone is really a bad idea. That's why you should think for yourself. Look at the evidence that's out there. Look at the opposing viewpoints. Gather what information you can and add all of those together, because usually the people at the top of almost any organization and almost everyone involved in politics, you're going to find some skeletons in closets and you'll find them trying to hide things. I mean, it's a scary thing when you think about this Tulsa riot that happened 100 years ago 
when you try to find information on it, which they were able to do, but it was very clear when they started investigating this that there was a concerted effort with the local media. I mean, there was no internet back then. Things didn't get immediately plastered all over the place where people could take screenshots and all that. You actually had just paper newspapers, and these things could uh, be made to disappear if something was printed that the government didn't like. You go enough time past one of these events, and it becomes very hard to know exactly what happened. Again, this all was a case because a young black guy and a young white girl were in an elevator together, and the white girl screamed. She refused to press charges. She said nothing really happened except that he had grabbed her arm. And again, nobody really knows why these things were lost to history. Nobody knew them back then either. This was all going on speculation and fear and hatred being stoked that caused a black guy putting his hand on a white girl. Maybe he just tripped. Maybe there was more to it. We don't really know. But just the insinuation, just the accusation that something more happened caused a town to be burned down, people murdered, and it really showed off the worst, not just of the United States, but the worst of humanity. And I fear we're going back down that line. Social media certainly isn't helping. People are way more on edge. There is a lot more hatred going on in the world right now than when I was growing up. And it's a concerning thing to see things going backwards. You have to start asking yourself the question, well, why is it getting worse? Who is profiting off of this? And why would somebody want to continue to stoke the flames of racism? of hatred, of envy. It used to be people came to this country because they knew that you could wind up here with nothing in your pocket and make a fortune that you could be successful if you worked hard. This was never the nation of a handout. This was a nation that let you survive or fail upon your own merits but it was also one where if you did fail there were people to help you to pick you up to help you back on your way but it was never what it is now it is a disgrace to see story after story of people that own businesses restaurants especially that continue to say they cannot find people to work because the government is paying them too much to sit on their ass at home, play video games, screw around, drink, whatever they're doing all day long. But they're making too much sitting on their behind at home where they're not coming back to work. They don't want to come back to work. This is detrimental to the country. What Joe Biden is doing 
with the pipeline detrimental to this country. You want to know why your gas prices are going up astronomically? Say thanks to Joe. If you go to the grocery store, you know, or order in, whichever's easier for you, you'll notice the prices on everything going up, going up, going up. Thank you, Sleepy Joe, for immediately doing what you can to crash the economy. Does Joe know what he's doing? I don't know. But the price on lumber going up, which affects housing, which affects a whole lot in the economy. And with lumber prices going up, Joe just decided to double the tariffs on Canadian lumber because, God forbid, the housing market actually starts picking up again. No, the people that uh, have their hands up Joe Biden as, you know, the vent, he's kind of just the ventriloquist dummy at this point, I think. They don't want the economy to grow, they intentionally want to crash the system. And I'm sure it's something I've talked about here on Random Thoughts before. That the concept is you crash the system, and that's what will allow you to take over and finally usher in the great communist slash socialist example that you want to bring in and change this country over to. I mean, nothing else makes sense that you want to double the tariffs on lumber and hurt the industry here. I know there was something about Canada charging the uh, tariffs on dairy or something coming in because they wanted to try to keep people buying Canadian. You know, there's all sorts of different crazy things going on. But putting an extra tariff on lumber, Mr. Biden, not really a good thing. And it appears that he wants to crash the public businesses. He wants to crash the economy so much. And people that have been wishing and hoping for the Marxism and socialism have been trying this for years is to turn the economy from a private-based capitalist like system like we have now into one where the government controls the economy. This massive spending bill that Joe Biden put out there. Well, again, I don't know if Joe's doing it, but the people with their hands, you know, up the ventriloquist dummy's butt. They're the ones that want this. Over six trillion in new spending, which I mean, yeah, sure, we could pay for that. We're just going to tax the rich a little bit more. The math doesn't work. We've talked about that here as well. You could take everything, not just a percentage from the richest of the rich. You could take every penny from Bezos. You could take every penny from Bill Gates. Well, I mean, his wife's taking half of that now, but you can take the money from Elon Musk and all these guys. Not just a percentage. Take everything they have right now, every asset they have. You're not going to pay off what we owe now. This concept that the rich aren't paying their fair share, and if we just charge them a little more, we'll have a balanced budget is a lie. It's not even close to reality. Does Joe Biden know that? I don't know. The average American doesn't seem to know it because they have no idea how to keep their own household budget from going into the red. It shouldn't be that hard. You spend less than you make, and that way you have some money left over in case you need it for something. But FDR tried this, 
As Bill O'Reilly pointed out, he tried this in 1935 with a budget that was so overloaded that it would have had just completely detrimental effects on the businesses, on the economy, on the capitalist system that we have here in the United States. And it was struck down by the Supreme Court, that budget, as being unconstitutional. So what is needed at this point is some state to stand up if this budget passes, and it may not. But if the budget passes, a state, you know, like Texas, that seems to like going to court against the federal government, and usually winning, so God bless Texas, they can stand up, file a suit, and almost assuredly will have that upheld by the Supreme Court, and this budget will go down the toilet where it should be, because uncontrolled spending is not the answer to bringing the United States of America out of this pandemic economy that it had gone through. If you want to get people back to work, the way to do that is not to punish the small businesses. By punishing the small businesses, you're killing the jobs. By food prices going up, by gas prices going up, we're already seeing it. If you're used to being able to go into a place and get, you know, a little burger for a buck, that's going to be $2 soon or more. But that's what you get when you let spending get out of control. That's what you get when you try to destroy business. That is what you get when you are actively anti the fossil fuel industry. All of these things in just the first 100 days or so of a Joe Biden presidency has been catastrophically just destructive. When will people start waking up that voted for Joe? I don't know if they ever will. When does the anybody but Trump thing start fading into the past and they realize "Mm, maybe this Biden guy, maybe he's an idiot. Maybe Joe doesn't even know where he is. He may be so demented. He may be so far down the rabbit hole at this point. It is hard to watch the guy attempt to speak because it doesn't seem like he can make a sentence without flubbing something. And that's not a good look for the leader of the free world. And if you think I'm being too mean to Uncle Joe, feel free to let me know. Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. I do have one more story, and it's a fun one, I think, about Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top and Al Jorgensen of Ministry. But before we get that, I do have a couple of people to thank for their support of today's show. I mentioned on the last episode that it was the three-year anniversary of Random Thoughts. What a long, strange trip it's been, and how we had uh, no donations on the last show. Well, only two people stepped up, but there are two people that I know listen to every episode of Random Thoughts. So this is uh, a meaningful thing, at least for me, coming in at uh, $33.33. My friend Larry Blydner, who wrote, Darren, congrats on three years of your most excellent show. Here's to the next 30 years, my friend. I mean, sure, Larry, that's a lot of work. 30 years more of the podcast. But I guess that means we're just getting started. And if it wasn't for Larry, we've told this story multiple times. This show wouldn't even be here. So if you like the show, say thanks to Larry. And if you think 
This show stinks. Let him know he's the guy. He's the one. He's completely at fault for everything you're hearing today. And he has a show that is absolutely fantastic. Larry is one of the best storytellers out there. Check out his show at thatlarryshow.com. It emanates from the Take No Shit Dojo. And Larry is a guy that we don't always agree about every little last aspect of things when it comes to things going on in the world, but we can have that conversation and hopefully we both learn something from listening to each other. I know I always find out something listening to that Larry show and it's an honor that he's listening to my show and it's all just a lot of podcaster love here on the random thoughts podcast and also coming in with five bucks, our buddy, sir, truck driver from no agenda social who sends in a split for this show, the grumpy old Ben's podcast that I do with Ryan Bemrose, which you can find at grumpy or just by searching grumpy old Ben's on your favorite podcasting app and the rock and roll pre-show, which is something we do before every live no agenda podcast on Thursday and Sunday over on the no agenda stream, no agenda stream.com. And the value for value model is something we learned from Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda podcast that we do these shows, we put them out there, there's no paywall, and if you got some value out of the show, it's up to you to get some value back to us, put it into an amount, a number that means something to you, and go to randomthoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com slash donate. And you can click the donate button to do a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal. You can use the P.O. Box address if you want to write a check or have your bank write a check automatically. That's an easy thing to do using your auto bill pay. You can do that as a one-time or monthly thing as well with the auto bill pay. Or you can use one of the QR codes or wallet addresses to go the crypto route, Bitcoin, Ethereum, And Cardano are set up there now. And if there's another crypto you'd like to contribute with, let me know. We can set that up as well. But we appreciate everybody who has contributed to the show over the last three years and everybody who has given us their time by listening. I know there's a lot of podcasts you can listen to. And if you're listening to this one, it is indeed an honor. So the story about Billy Gibbons and ministry, I think even uh, if you're not a huge music and rock and roll fan, you know about the band ZZ Top, sharp dressed man. She got legs They were really they were a huge part of the early MTV era with the big, long beards and the fuzzy guitars and a Texas bluesy sound that still sounds timeless even today. Well, there was quite a while, I guess, where ZZ Top wasn't selling a ton of records and they made a change, I guess, that caused the band to once again move to the top of the charts. It gave them a sound that really hit big, especially, like I said, back in the early 80s when they became just a behemoth. Al Jorgensen, the guy that's the head of the ministry band, the front man, and also the guy from the Revolting Cox, told a story recently about being in Texas back in 1990 to play a club when the owner said, hey, Billy Gibbons wants to meet with you. Al Jorgensen said, quote, he pulled up in a 34 Mercury wearing a white suit, 
me and Mikey, which was the guitarist for the Revolting Cox, get in and we were just flabbergasted. It's Billy effing Gibbons in a white suit with the beard in the middle of the day. And Billy Gibbons takes him out to a fancy Italian restaurant. According to Al Jorgensen, there were uh, some bottles of wine, which, you know, were in the 50 to maybe $100,000 a bottle range. They were drinking heavily. And at some point, Jorgensen said, uh, so why are we here? And Billy Gibbons said to him, well, I figure I owe you a dinner because my career kind of hit a rough patch there. But now we're selling records hand over fist. The reason is because we switched over to program drums and all the drum samples we got were from ministry and revolting cock songs. According to the interview, Al Jorgensen said, we just freaked out. It was such a rock God moment with all of the egos and lawyers in the music business. It was pretty ballsy of him to say, yeah, I just ripped off all your shit. I'm going to go buy you dinner. That was good enough for me, said Al Jorgensen. And that is. That's rock and roll. You know, you borrow, you take a little bit here and there. He goes on to talk about after drinking a lot of those bottles of wine, Billy Gibbons being, you know, a Texas legend had a big batch of hatch chilies from New Mexico. He said, so we're drinking ridiculously expensive wine and having a chili eating competition. He says, that's the one time I've seen Billy Gibbons not be so suave. Because he got down on all fours and started puking all over. Yeah. Be very careful about mixing those hot chilies with those $50,000 bottles of wine. Hey, if that's not a rock legend story, I don't know what is. But I figured I would pass that story along because with everything going on in the world that is so negative, I thought that was a pretty cool deal. One, the fact that Billy Gibbons was just like, Yeah, I owe you dinner because I took your drum sounds and have made a ton of money with them. You know, that was cool. And then even cooler that Al Jorgensen was like, yeah, that's enough. We're not going to sue you. We're not going to be like, hey, you took our property. You did this, you know, copyright laws and all that. So it's a uh, feel good story in a time where we could use a few more of that feel good stories. Maybe I'll find some more by the next time Random Thoughts rolls around, which will be. In a scant week from today, we will be back with another episode. I hope you can join me. And until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 